to episode 75 of Digital Digital Get Down. Get Down! Your favorite podcast hosted by Heather. And Bennett. This is uh, episode 75. That's crazy. Feels like a big number. Feels like a big number. It actually is meaningless. <laughs> it feels like a big number. Mm-hmm. We've been here for every episode. We have. We don't take any episodes off. Except for the weeks that we don't do an episode. True. Do you have any stuff you want to lead off with today? Um, I mean, my entire, my year has been made by Darren Chris Taco Bell. Can we just pause for a second? You just yeah. say your year has been made by Darren Chris. Technically, those words came in that order, yeah. It's a big moment. It's the best internet adjacent thing I've discovered in a while. And I discovered it before you did. This was my which good... makes it all the sweeter for me. This was my good news. So tell them, tell the people. Uh, I forget how I stumbled upon it. Oh, it was the MLB.TV app mm-hmm. on the TV, which sometimes shows you local commercials for your area, sometimes for the market that you're watching the game from. So we get some very strange Boston commercials that really jar me when we're watching the Red Sox. Yeah, and sometimes you just get things repeated really annoyingly. And right from the start, I could I could tell I was like, oh yeah, this is another of those Taco Bell really elaborate fake movie fake movie like... things for really shitty food. And then I heard I heard that angel's voice, mm-hmm. and it is hilarious. And it's a it's a bop. It's it is a, a banger. I don't know if it's a banger by Tom Haverford standards. Acoustic but instruments are used. It's a bop. Yeah. Uh, it is essentially a fake trailer. You're the love of my life. Nacho fries. A lot of good rhymes on your fries, seasoning, seasoning is reasoning. My reasoning. Yeah. Can't survive without your nacho fries. It's essentially like a fake um, musician bio yeah. kind of. Right. Rise and fall movie. Discovery of a of a poor musician who can't who can't break through the music industry. Except the entire thing is based around a song about Nacho Fries being the love of his life. And that he can available o- for a limited time. And he can only write about things he loves, specifically about, Nacho Fries. How warm melted Nacho cheese on nothing! <laughs> um, Darren does some of his best acting. Uh, yes, hands down. Some of his best acting in this commercial. Best song he's released in a while. Absolutely. Sorry, computer games. And like, I used to be in the camp of like, why is this guy not just going for like singer songwriter heartthrob? Like, he he could have been Shawn Mendes, correct? Pretty much. He's not as young as Shawn Mendes. I'm saying if he had gone that track directly after Glee. I don't know. It seems like he's clearly meant to be a like a parody of that guy, though. Yes, Zach Collins. Yeah. Not your. From an album that doesn't exist, yes. apparently. Fields of Gold, what's it called? I think you're close, yeah. Something about gold. Yeah. Chasing Gold. That sounds Chasing right. Chasing Gold. That was my good news. So okay, sorry bad. for stealing that. That's okay. Um, we also should probably touch briefly on Jeopardy, because it the big run ended since the last time we podcasted. Yeah, and then the other girl was on it for like two or three days, and then she was just gone, and now it's just back to boring Jeopardy again. Yeah. But it was like, we only caught the last 10 minutes of that episode because I had given up hope that he was going to lose anytime soon. And then we kind of flicked it on, um, or flipped it on, whatever you want to say, Um, just randomly. And I was like, oh, this is the game. 
This is a game down to the wire. She was not messing around. Stone face, stone cold librarian. They all like made the correct, like they did everything right, all of them. Correct. All the math nerds have have confirmed that (laughs) even though in theory James could have bet more, but yeah. So. I've moved on. You've already moved on. I've moved on. Mostly because you beat me at Jeopardy usually when we actually play. That's why you actually don't want to watch it anymore because you know I'm better than you at Jeopardy. That's true. That's embarrassing. Um, what else you got? My other good news was that Silicon Valley is ending. <laughs> okay, I didn't know you harbored that much ill will. It's mostly against the middle ditch. Mostly against middle ditch because I'm sure he's making bank on those episodes and I hate him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also just like at this point against shows that get drawn out series wise. Uh-huh. Like I know people were very upset about the good place ending next season, and I'm like, it's they should have ended two seasons ago. But I just don't think there's like enough examples of a show that went longer than six seasons where people are like, absolutely, we needed each and every one of those. Can't even name yeah. any off the top of my head. Not Friends for sure. Mm-mm. I don't know. I'm not enough of a TV connoisseur probably to to be a source on that, but. Okay, so you're taking joy in that. Yes. Last season was terrible anyways once Erluck disappeared. Yeah. Hmm. Um, do you want to go into bad newses? Um, yeah, I guess I have a mixed bag. You're supposed to have mixed newses. You always have mixed news. This is how life happens. Okay, go ahead. Uh, well, quick French Open recap. Sure. Name the two winners, male and female. Rafa beat team. Yep. And uh, Ash Barty. You got it. Really? Yeah. I made up that last one. That was pretty good. Australia's own. You didn't think own. I could do it. My name is Bruce. I am a shock. Um, that's that's your only accent you can do besides Jimmy Stewart. So also should mention Roger Federer played an entire clay tournament. Lost to Rafa. Made it to the semifinals Three in a sets. in a lot of wind. Three sets. A lot of wind. The wind affects both sides, honey. That's not an excuse. It was not. It's it not was, like he's getting the wind and Rafa's like underneath something not getting the wind. They're both getting I understand, getting the wind. and you rotate sides, but still, They're it was not. The wind. It was not optimal conditions to have either player, a matchup of legends. Uh, Dami Dom knocked off Djokovic, which mm-hmm. I think everyone can revel in. Uh, and. Unfortunately, that match between the two of them had to stretch into two days, which then forced Dominic to play Rafa Your excuse for the, team as well? the next day. Full of excuses. It's tough. Rafa's the best on clay. Um, He's the best on clay. Did you hear about... The, and he did... His acceptance speech was in three languages. Did you hear about the drama, though, of the tournament? What? So Serena Williams loses. Okay. In, like, the third or fourth round. Mm-hmm. And when you are... A person of a certain, um, like historic quality or a top player, yeah. you have uh, press obligations to go and answer questions at the press conference. Okay. So, according to sources, she like marched down straight from the match to the press area, whereas mm-hmm. most people would like linger in the the locker room, take a shower, or whatever. Anyways, yeah. so she stormed down and told the tournament officials. That they had to get her a press conference right away because she was not going to stick around and wait until the TV people were ready for her. So, okay, she, you know, she's a legend. She can boss people around. Fine. 
but there is only one room that can support like the big stars mm -hmm. and little Dominic team was using that room for his post-match. So he, he got booted and there's some real funny clips of him trying to sound angry in his little Austrian accent, which is pretty humorous. Um, but yeah, apparently that started now a pretty decent rift between the two of them because she, yeah, she didn't have any patience to wait for one person to finish who had already started a press conference and he had to get moved to this smaller room and he was not happy. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. If it was vice versa, would people be upset? If it was like Djokovic that bumped Ash Barty, uh, would people be It's a good thought experiment. Upset. It's a good thought experiment. I don't know the answer. I think the answer is probably no. They would probably mm. be like, oh yeah, he's he needs to go. Yeah. And she's like not that well known, so. I mean, what I gather is that you typically, you don't interrupt someone who's already talking. I agree with you that yeah. it's shady, but I just think I have always take it with a grain of salt when people attack her because I just like to flip it and think would people be this upset if it was a man interrupt, uh, like a famous male player interrupting yeah. a not-so-famous female player. I, I see where you're coming from. Just I see you. Advocate. I see you. Um, so that's the extent of my newses, I guess. Got some bad newses. Okay. Do you want my serious bad news, my medium serious bad news, my least serious bad news? I would go from serious to least serious. Most serious is that global warming is going to kill all of us. How many this, drinks do I need for each of these? This administration um, blah, 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 blah. very seriously released something calling them freedom gases. I did see that headline. They're like legitimately moving forward with that terminology. It does not even matter to me the fact that that somehow got written down and checked presumably mm. by at least two people. The person who wrote it and the person who edited it. And the person who posted it, that's probably three people. That at least three people. And they're like, yeah, freedom gases. You're fucking kidding me. Okay. And then the DNC is refusing... The Democrats. ...to have a climate debate. I did see your tweet about this. I'm angry about it. Meaning that you would gather up all the current 37 and a half Democratic yeah, candidates. Yeah, and have them debate their positions on climate change. Because they do that with subject or topic specific debates at this stage in the at process this stage mm -hmm. so that people can hear more detailed policies and about yeah. certain issues that are deemed to be important issues so basically the democratic party is saying that global warming is not an important enough issue to have its own debate yeah that seems foolish and, you could quickly weed out the uh the deniers and get them out and they then said that jay inslee who had proposed the climate debate and he's running on like a climate change platform, would be uh, penalized by them. If you can he say chose, penalized. If he chose to attend a like non-sanctioned climate change debate. Uh-huh. So he couldn't like He's go being to... silenced. Yeah, kind of. Like he, he, they're, they're basically threatening that they'll penalize him and not let him participate in other debates, DNC sponsored debates, if he tries to have his own climate debate or goes to somebody else's climate debate then he's going to be penalized. So not only will they not sponsor one, but he cannot participate in a separate one. So what's their angle exactly? They just don't think it's worth the know. time and effort to coordinate? I don't know. Hmm. But it's just ridiculous to me that, like, I understand why people are, like, pro-Democrat because it's, like, either that or pro-Republican, but the Democrats are just a bunch of fuck-ups, too. Like, they're not... 
it's not like they're the angelic party who's perfect. And the DNC fucked up a lot with the last election. Fucking and don't fall for phishing scams. If someone's asking for your password, do not click that link. That could have... And, all, and mm. all of the stuff about how they, like, set stuff up so that Hillary would win. Of course. And, like, that that it's kind of a facade, the primaries. Oh, yeah. Because the DNC, like, tries to no. rig it for their preferred candidate. I mean, so progressives, progressives are Democrats, but the Democratic Party is not a progressive party, I don't think. That's a good way to put it. Thank you. I just came up with that off the cuff. So smart. Um, no notes. So, very frustrating. Um... Kit Harrington. Game of Thrones. I'm Jon Snow. I'm afraid of girls. He's in rehab. From doing that he awful had, show? like, a mental breakdown about the end of Game of Thrones and, like, went to rehab. And I feel sad for him. And I'm happy that he's getting help, but I just feel bad that it got publicized like this and that people are kind of making fun of it a little bit. I mean, a lot of people poke fun at, like, L.A. types because they'll go to rehab for anything just for a vacation is, like, the... The running joke, I think. But he's, like, legit. This is, like, a big life transition for him. Yeah. And seems like he was, like, legit having a hard time with it and having a hard time with the ending of it. And he's, like, went to get help from it. So money doesn't solve that? I guess not. Hmm. Um, the last thing I want to talk about. I'm not even going to talk about the straight pride parade. Yeah, I think we can pass on that. We're going to talk about Taylor Swift. But we are going to talk about Taylor Swift and Mm -hmm. her new song. Taylor. Taylor, Taylor. Talk straight Taylor. to her. She's a fan Taylor, of the show. Taylor, my girl. Mm. Shake it up. You need somebody to tell you which songs of yours like are just not that good and you shouldn't release them. Like a music editor? Like a music editor who's like not afraid of the fact that you're very famous and wealthy. That happens with famous wealthy people. We talked about it a lot with writers. Oh, sure. How it's Once like, you're of a certain ilk, it's like... I'm, George I R. R. Martin, get an editor. Sarah J. Mass, get good. an editor. Yeah, I trust you, know? you, I think. And then they just can do what they want because it's like people are, it's famous enough that people will buy their stuff even if it's shit. I think Taylor has proven that, yeah. <sighs> Taylor. This bop, song, or not a, bop or not a bop? It's not that it's not a bop because it was stuck in my head earlier against my will. It's badly written. The chorus centers on can you just stop? Can you just not? Stop not. Slant rhyme. It's mm. not even a good rhyme. And it's like something one of my middle schoolers would write in a note. Eighth grade no, poem. It's something that I would say to my middle schoolers. Like, can you stop? Can you not? That's literally something mm-hmm. I've said to like middle schoolers of like, why are you doing that? Can you not? So she wrote these lyrics. There's no Jack Antonoff uh, Don't inspiration. So. I don't think we can blame anybody else. And it's also like... This is her anti-cyberbullying It's another... Song. It's just a little bit of a problem. Like the intent is good. Hmm. And I, I don't know that the meaning is good. Yeah. Like, she talks in the first part about like being cyberbullied, people being mean to her online and how we shouldn't be mean to people online. Okay, probably the blandest stance one could take. Yeah. Don't be mean to other people. Okay. The second verse is all about not being mean to gay people. Mm-hmm. And seems to equate people trolling famous people mm-hmm. to someone being... Like, homophobic. Homophobic, mm-hmm. which is a problem. And 
the... But she's an ally. The name of the song Mm -hmm. and the chorus is You Need to Calm Down. And I have serious problems with that message. Mm -hmm. Because I I get what she's going for. It's kind of down the same path when Tina Fey said that you should just sit home and eat that cake. And people kind of... Um, lashed out at her because it's like sitting at your house and eating cake isn't going to help. People don't need to calm down. Hmm. People need to get fucking upset. Like, I I get what she's saying is it's supposed to be like calm down haters. Like, why are you putting so much hate into the world and why are you so angry about stuff that doesn't affect you? But... You're just saying the message isn't... In the political, like, just horrible dumpster fire that we're in right now Mm -hmm. like telling people like oh we should all just calm down is not gonna fucking solve anything like there are literally like kids in concentration camps and climate change is coming to kill all of us and oh but we should all just calm down because hating each other is too loud okay no it's not a good message and not only is it like a, a like a just convoluted message yeah it's just not well written I also just kind of... The lyrics are just bad. I just like to mock her hypocrisy because she's like, for someone who writes, for someone who says they don't care like what people think of her and what the media thinks, she writes an awful lot of songs to reinforce that. So clearly she thinks about it quite a bit. Yeah. Um, And I'm just like, hey, are you okay? That's a full lyric. Taking shots at me like it's Patron. That one stood out to me. But even just, like, the delivery of it, I think she's still in this, like, pseudo-rap thing that just doesn't work, for me at least. Yeah. And, yeah, for someone with, like, how many Instagram followers does she have? Like, like 500 million, maybe? I'm pretty sure she gets enough positive comments on each of her posts to outweigh uh, whatever trolls she happens to scroll through. Like, when you get that many comments on a picture, how do you even spot the trolls? Like, you don't read all the comments. I just feel like she has so much control over her life now and over who's in her life that, like, just nothing happens to her. And that's why she has to She needs a better sounding board. Sounding boards. Like, but I just mean, like, her life experiences. Mm Mm-hmm. Are just like, I'm just going to write about people being mean on the internet. Because, like, that's all she does these days. Right. I don't know. Taylor, I love you. I have every single one of your albums. I've been to, like, five of your concerts. Mm-hmm. One of which by myself. First two songs off this album, not doing it for me. And I appreciate that you decided to get political. And I She could I know, won the election. I know. A couple years too late. Stop saying that. I know... That it's like a lose-lose for you because if you don't get political, people are like, why aren't you using your privilege? And if you do, people are like, well, you're not doing it right. right. And I get that. that. We've talked about that. But can you write songs that are better? Better (sighs) lyrics? You used to be so good at lyrics. All right. The challenge is out there. You've weighed in. Um, We have like a special advertisement to do today. We We have like We have like fresh book digits things. We do. To yell at you about. So, book digits, B-O-O-K-D-I-G-I-T-S dot com. You can go on there and you can track your to-read list. Mm-hmm. You can check who's the top all time. You can read um, some awesome so ratings written by us. You can read some mm-hmm. reviews um, and get different achievements. See if you can get to the Diamond Club. But, but people need something else. What importantly, mm. yeah. lately, if you are on Chrome or Firefox, True. you can install the free extension called the library extension called the library extension free 
and you just it's this cute little book icon at the top of your browser yep. page. What do you call it? Yeah. Top browser. of your window. Yep. And you click it. And if you're on book digits, mm -hmm. it will pop up a little box and it will tell you if the book you're looking at is available at your library. Your local library, it's synced up with that. Yeah, you have to click choose your local library. And with one click you can then uh reserve Request it. it from yeah. your library. Yep. It's a fucking game changer for me. I used to say like take hours and go through my to read list and then flip back and forth between the terrible library website. Mm -hmm. And then if it's at the library, then I put my little list at library or not yeah. at library. Now it's just right there on the fucking page. You're welcome. Thank I mean, you. I, I discovered this name? on my own and and name? got it set up. Um, I discovered it yeah. on Bookstagram. <laughs> and I was like, this is so cool. Why wouldn't it work, work on book digits? And then... it Yeah, it didn't natively work on book digits, but, then but we, we made it happen. We messaged the person yeah. and like within a week, less than a week. Within two days. Within a couple days. Yeah. It was like, oh yeah, we'll just do that for you. Andrew from LibraryExtension.com. Because it's really, really cool. And we're up there with Amazon and, and we're uh, listed now. Goodreads now. Legit. So we're legit. And you're it's super You're helpful. welcome, people. Thanks, Andrew. Um, Book Digits is free, but we will take your money if you have some to give. Or you can bribe your way up through the achievements faster. Yep. All right. Is that the end of the show? Um, do you want to talk about book or movie first? Oh, we got stuff. We got um, stuff to talk about, babe. I would say movie while it's fresh in my mind. We always are going to say the opposite. Yeah. So this episode could be subtitled Things That Heather Has a Lot of Feelings About and Bennett Does Not Care About in the Slightest. Yeah. Is that, is that accurate? Lukewarm. So the movie we are going to talk about today is Rocket Man. Uh, Elton yeah. John. It's an Elton Biotic. John movie that tells the story of his life. Um... So, if you hadn't guessed by the tone of that exchange just then, mm. um, I grew up as an Elton John fan-ish. Uh, my mom is an Elton John fan. So, I grew yeah, up, like, listening to Elton John. It was not of your own volition. No, I was not like, what is that music? I need to be, like, a super fan of this. But What were your I'm top five songs? Go. John. What were your top five? Going into um, the movie. Betty and the Jess is just a fun one to sing. Benny. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, I believe you. Lion King soundtrack was was a was a big fave when I was little. True, that Can was my other. I thought my only Elton John tonight. entry point was Princess Diana. I sat through this whole movie waiting for Princess Diana to die. She never dies. Well, she died somewhere off screen, I suppose. Um, um but you're right. Lion King was my other entry point. Lion King. Um, Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting is a fun one. It's a bit of a bop. Um, I like Rocket Man more after seeing the movie. But Rocket Man's a classic. Mm -hmm. Tiny Dancer, you forgot. Um, eh, that was never, was oh, never a big fan. Never of that listened one. to Ben Folds Live, I guess, I with liked, the rest of the high school crew. I, I liked um the upbeat ones a little bit more. Uh huh. Um, Crocodile Rock is a fun one too. Yep. That was a high school one we used to sing at the band dance. Sure. Okay. Uh, do you want me to keep going or? No, that's. I think yeah, that's good. <laughs> um. So. I was uh, Elton John, I would say a fan. Mm -hmm. uh, I've seen him live. My mom and I went, like, when he was old. Like, True. I like remember you went. Like, six years yeah. ago, maybe. Um, but now, not to make you make a lot of lists, but you were, like, a pretty thorough classic rock um, 
appreciator. Sure. So where did he rank in terms... Let me throw out the other ones. Billy Joel. I was always a fan of Billy Joel when I was younger. Okay. So Billy Joel was above. I would say Billy Joel was above. Queen? Above? Below? Um, I would say like in terms of what I listened to growing up, below. Mm -hmm. Because my mom would intentionally listen to Elton John more. Sure. Uh, but I would say like as a teen and adult, I enjoy Queen more than Elton John, this is music wise. And you like Elton more than um, the back catalog your dad would play, which was just Bon Jovi? Mostly. No, he, Bob Seger mm. was my dad's. Okay. Um, and Huey Lewis in the News. <laughs> That's a real band name. Yeah, you know some of the songs. <laughs> Heart and Soul? The piano song? It's like the heart of rock and roll is believing. When this podcast started, was I starting my classic rock <laughs> education? I got through a. This is Jonas Brothers. Yeah. Oh, that's Jonas Brothers? Didn't know. Are you serious? Yeah, I didn't know who that song was by. I'm. I don't. I ride the bus. I'm not an FM person anymore. Mm, I've never heard this song before. <laughs> what? I'm so... I... Probably I've mouthed... I've mouthed fake lyrics at a Matt Nathanson concert to this song would be my closest bet. Nothing? That's always my least favorite parts of his shows when it's like, let's get into classic rock now. Ben doesn't know. the song that he played in the, in the Minneapolis show. No. Of course he was going to play Prince. Um, Eagles, <sighs> I would say... Maybe like I've listened to two Eagles maybe albums. Maybe up there with Elton John. In what terms about of um, historically? What about um, Lindsey Buckingham and uh, mm, Fleetwood Mac? Yeah, them. I would say same answer as Queen. When I was younger, I probably listened to Elton John more, but okay. I think I like Fleetwood Mac more. All right, that's enough preamble. Now you can talk about the movie. So, do you want me to talk? Just kind of describe the movie first for people who haven't seen it. Do you want me to compare it to Bohemian Rhapsody, which everyone I think... seems to be doing? I think it's an apt comparison, especially since we talked about it on this show. Mm -hmm. But you're right. Every single review of Rocket Man takes you basically scene by scene through Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay. I'll just... For good reason, because they ended up having the same director. And supposedly, they were close to having Rami Malek do like a cameo in this movie. Or vice versa. I forget oh. which one it was. Um, I will just describe the movie first then. So the movie is starts with... Taron Haggerton, who plays Elton John, in this ridiculous outfit, and he walks into this like group therapy session. Right. It's um, a, it's a, it's a, you know, a little bit of this deception. It makes it look like he's going onto a big stage, and it turns out he's in. Yes, he's in rehab. A um, or something. Yeah. And it's like this, just like everyone sits in a circle and says, "Hi, here's my addiction." Yeah. Um. So it starts off with him listing off a bunch of addictions, and the therapist or moderator or whatever asks about his childhood. And you start with the bitch's back and have a little kid singing the bitch's back. Did you yeah. know that's what he was singing? I, I, I figured out those lyrics. Um, yeah. So the little kids in this movie were fantastic. The little kids were incredible. So there's this little kid who's probably six or seven. Yeah. And he's singing the bitch's back. Mm -hmm. And it's about his neighborhood and kind of flashes back to his very young childhood life with his mom. And his dad who didn't hug him. Complete. That's like minimalizing it. Can you, let me, feel... can you let me summarize before you give your feelings? Alright. I'll be over so, here. So, then you see him a little bit older and he gets piano lessons. Turns out he's kind of like a natural at the piano. 
and he gets piano lessons and becomes really talented in music. And then you finally get to older Taron Egerton playing like teenage Elton John and um, doing Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting and yep. like a carnival scene. It's very like um, musically, like a stage musical almost. Like mm -hmm. the musical numbers don't make a ton of logistical sense in the movie. It's more of like a fantastical sequence. I versus... just want to say fantastical. Surreal yeah. is the one everyone else uses yes. too. So uh, I thought... That was, I don't know, I liked that aspect of it. So then you go into him trying to break into the music business, him with a band and picking his new name and um, discovering his sexuality a little bit. And then the clincher is when he uh, meets Bernie, who is the oh, Bernie. lyric writer to his music writer. Yep. To his... Did you know that he didn't write any of his own oh, yeah. songs? I didn't know that. Hmm. That's, uh, I didn't know a ton about his his life. Um, in terms of some of the stuff that the movie gets into later, but I did know about him and Bernie and about how they had a fight at one point and he tried to go off on his own and now they're writing together again for his more recent albums. And um, yeah, they wrote everything together. Mm -hmm. That was the point. So then they go into his kind of big break in LA and how he turns into Elton John, like the legend Elton John, the character. Yeah. And all of the rock and roll drama that goes along with it of the drugs and the alcohol and the the boys and the abusive boyfriend the, the manager. manager drama yeah and uh towards you kind of see him spiraling further and further into this there's a pool world. there's a pool scene so you know he's going to take a dive into the pool i liked how they did that though yeah i really liked that scene there's a scene where he uh, kind of OD's, OD slash suicide attempt. Mm -hmm. um, spoilers, I guess. Where he like <laughs> he jumps lives. into the pool and at the bottom of the pool in some sort of like fever dream kind of thing, he sees a younger version of himself playing a little tiny piano and the rocket man starts to play. And I really liked how they did the hospital scene. Like they bring him to the hospital while the song is playing. And instead mm -hmm. of like showing him hooked up to an IV and stuff, they have this really cool choreographed like dance thing where they're yeah. like moving him from, um, from the stretcher yeah. to the hospital bed to a different hospital bed. And then they basically just like toss him out in time to do his next show. Mm -hmm. um, I, I thought that scene was really neat. And then it kind of comes full circle in the end where he decides to get help uh, at this rehab center. And then shows his process of healing from there. Mm -hmm. Do you want to add some of your opinions now, honey? Um, well, if we want to get back to the music, I, I've never found his music that appealing. Uh, in terms of the rhythms and the, like, the beats, like, I can, I can get why that was popular, but the lyrics for me are so nonsensical that they don't hold a ton of water. And that, I struggled with that in the movie because the part I liked most about the movie was the bromance between him and Bernie, the writer. But I wanted to love Bernie, but I was like, Bernie, you're writing him nonsense. Like, I get that it's making you money, but why can't you write a song that makes sense? I think half of that is Elton John's delivery of the, his Could be. kind of the way he sings. Yeah, but I always use Tiny Dancer as the example. Like, that song makes no sense. But he sings it kind of like that. Yeah. It makes it harder to hear the lyrics. It's true. Um, I will say that I 
the reason I bumped him down in my previous rankings is that I don't know that I would listen to a full CD of his. Mm -hmm. Whereas like with Queen or Fleetwood Mac, I could probably listen to a full CD or Billy Joel. Yeah. Um, Elton, I really like his music, but I, I don't always want to listen to like 12 songs in a row of it. Yeah. Um, that being said, I really enjoyed the music in the film. I was hesitant about Taron Egerton singing because in right there was Bohemian a lot Rhapsody, of hubbub about that. Well, he mean Rhapsody. He's just lip syncing everything. Yeah, he didn't. Remy Malek wasn't singing. He right, was lip syncing right, right. Freddie Mercury's voice. Whereas yeah. Taron Egerton actually sang everything. And when yeah. you see the little kid stuff, it makes sense because when they did like the bitches back and a couple other songs, it was like the little the little kid versions of him were singing it. Mm-hmm. And there was that cool one where his whole family sang. Yeah. Um, I there they... was some really cool cool stuff done in terms of the musical numbers, like you're saying. And that did give it a lot of freshness. Um, if I liked the songs, I think I really would have enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, for me, it was the rest of the film that felt flat. I disagree. I thought that the way they did the the way that it was that it was like a stage musical versus a concert mm -hmm. and the way that they did some of these serious scenes intercut with the music i thought mm -hmm. it made it even more affecting like i thought it felt really intense and uh it was hard to watch at some point some of the stuff that he went through and and uh there there's one scene where he's singing pinball wizard which I had to look up later because I was like, that is not an Elton John song, but he mm -hmm. really did record it for a movie or something. And it was something he played on his tour. Um, where he's just spiraling. Like there was some of the, uh, the scenes where he's on stage yeah. and he's just so clearly like in trouble and needs help. And he's just absolutely spiraling and then has to go out there and perform. And just the way they did that with the songs and the costume changes and stuff like I thought it really, I don't know, it was really affecting and it worked for me. But where, where was your sympathy lying? Was it, it was purely in him needing help or him having... It wasn't him not having anyone he can trust. And I think I felt similarly mm -hmm. at parts of Bohemian Rhapsody when he finally realizes his manager's like a dickhead and he's stuck yeah. in that place. Yeah. Um, and there were some similar beats or similar scenes in this one where he thinks the manager's in love with him and they have something good and he kind of realizes that he has screwed all the people that he trusted over. Yeah. Now he's stuck with uh, a guy from Game of Thrones. Um, who, damn, he had a good voice in that one song. Mm -hmm. um, so I just really felt for him that he obviously just was in situations where he was so far out of his depth and just had to kind of pretend to be this character in order to sell tickets and do his shows. But then he got so lost in like pretending of who he was that he like didn't know who he actually was anymore and didn't right. kind that, of lost sight of, of why he was doing it other than he just had to. That part did resonate with me a little bit at least because yeah, you get the sense that his flamboyantness is like not because that's who he really is, but that he thinks he just has to keep going bigger and bigger because people expect that from his character. Yeah, I mean, you, you got that, like, part of it was that he really did like flashy outfits. Like, when he got to pick his own thing, he picked, like, sequined overalls and platform shoes for that mm -hmm. very first concert, and he got to, like, pick what he wanted to wear. Yeah. Like, so you get the sense that he, he always liked clothes and wanted to dress flashier, but that this larger-than-life persona 
just kind of got away from him almost. Mm -hmm. And he, like you said, he kept feeling like he had to go bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, So for me, like the fact that they had to keep coming back to the parental stuff that annoyed me more than drew me in. But they did the same thing in Bohemian Rhapsody. I didn't, I'm not saying that, that in that context, one's better than the other. Although I did almost cry at the end of Bohemian Rhapsody when the dad finally sort of um, accepts Freddy. Yeah. And in this one, that is one of my issues, is that the parents are both, like, repulsive from start to finish. And I get that they're the villains, but they didn't seem like human villains to me. They seemed like supernatural villains, kind of. I disagree. I think they seemed human. I think they just seemed like very flawed humans who kind of didn't like where their life had gone and took it out on each other. Mm-hmm. And it's like he, their kid was kind of the, the casualty collateral of that. Damage. The collateral damage. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, because the mom just used the kid only paid attention to, to the kid when the dad was around to be like, I'm a better mother than you're a father. Yeah. And the father didn't give a shit about the kid. And mm-hmm. I, it but just seemed the, like he always mm-hmm. wanted his parents' acceptance and never, ever got it. Like, no matter what he did, it wasn't enough for them. Right. And that's what I kept yelling silently to myself, which was like, just move on from these people. They're not good people. Yeah, and I know that's like, easier said than done. It's easier said than done, especially for someone who, like, feels like you can't trust anyone in his life. And you sure. should be able to trust your parents. Like, they raised you. And even You're though- making me feel like I like this movie, but I remember <laughs> distinctly that I did not, even though I agree with everything you're saying. I, all I know is that I walked when I walked out of Bohemian Rhapsody, I, we started listening to Queen songs in the car. I couldn't even wait mm-hmm. to get home to listen to them. And I was like, that wasn't a perfect movie. And when we learned more about the flaws in the making of it and the creation of it, I was like, I don't need to see that movie again. But I would watch Bohemian Rhapsody again before I would watch Rocket Man again. But I think Bohemian Rhapsody succeeded as like a, a concert movie, and mm-hmm. this one succeeded as an actual biopic, biopic, whatever. Um, yeah, it depends on your definition of succeed. Dewey Cox holds up in terms of. I cannot watch more than ten minutes of that movie. It holds up in terms of here are the tropes you're going to see in a biopic. And I do give Rocketman credit, like we said, for those musical numbers. But otherwise, the notes of mommy and daddy issues. uh, Manager who, like, tricks you. Manager issues. The black guys on tour who, in Dewey Cox, they get him into drugs. And this one, he helps him admit that he's gay. So that was kind of a nice twist, I guess. But the sexual issues, the drug issues, the alcohol. The pushing away the friends, the only ones that actually trust, you actually trust, trying to go solo. Yeah. Yeah, it it definitely still hit all that, those notes. I just think that they, they went there with this one in terms of like, we're going to make this just a ridiculous musical. Yeah. And you're still going to have the same feeling. Just on that real quick, you were okay that like they picked, they would pick a song for a scene and even if the the lyrics, like I already mentioned, don't make a lot of sense, but they didn't totally line up with the scene, you still liked how they were, like, acting out things? Yes. Like, the one that bugged me the most was Tiny Dancer, which, like, with uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, I wanted to hear Bohemian Rhapsody from start to finish in the movie sometime. Uh, Tiny Dancer and Rocket Man both got, like, 30-second clips or something. But in Tiny Dancer, he's singing it to Bernie because Bernie's at a party and wants to go hang out with a girl. And Elton's, like, jealous of that or something. I don't know. 
It was just like, it didn't mesh with me. Okay. Yeah. I think that, I don't know, I, I think it was a creative way to do his songs. And obviously, not all of them are necessarily going to exactly match up. They're not writing, it's not songs that they're writing for a musical sure. about his life. So, like, was Rocket Man about him ODing? I don't know. Like, I don't think a lot of the songs necessarily, I don't think Elton would be like, yes, Rocket Man was about the time I tried to kill myself in a pool. I think they had to have some creative license to figure out where it would fit, and I was okay That's with it. That's the other factor here, is that this new run of these types of movies all have the musicians, like, as executive producers. So they're all going to come with a certain, like rose-tinted glasses, not to say that he skips over any sort of... I was going to say, this one is very intense. There's Well, they did like, the right thing here by making it R, which they didn't do there's with... There's sex Bohemian scenes, Rhapsody. there's very explicit drug use, and showing the negative side to the drug addiction, and yeah. how fucked up he was all the time, Yeah. and how fucked up his manager was in their relationship, and how he treated Elton and his family members and whatever. Mm -hmm. Um... What, were you, what was your point being before I interrupted you? That the music, musicians are involved, so they get to craft the story. I, you think he crafted the story? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he signed off on it. He signed off on yeah. it. Yeah. But I think that that was one of the issues with Bohemian Rhapsody, was that Freddie Mercury has long since left this world, and it was his band members and family members and whoever that were right. deciding how to depict him. And there was this whole, how do we want him to be seen, and we don't want to show all this negative stuff and this gay sex stuff and whatever. Whereas when the person's alive, they can be like, yeah, that's what it was like. And the most baffling part of all is still that nobody thought he was gay or took for granted that yes. he was gay. Yes. Because again, watching the movie, I was like, how are they not addressing this? I like clearly people in the audience must be like, Wow, look at that gay guy, have, amazing gay guy singing right now. I have now. asked my mom this on multiple occasions. Uh -huh. Of like, how did no one know he was gay? Yeah. About him and Freddie Mercury as well. Looking back at both of them. Sure. Um, I can kind of see Freddie Mercury because I think like going around shirtless can be like macho man. I was going to say that white tank top at the end, like that seemed, he looked like macho to me. Yeah, but I mean there were some later scenes when he like wore a dress. Oh, sure. But um... Oh, with Elton John, it's like, how did you not know? But that was just his character. Like, he was just... That was just his stage persona. And it was right. crazy and rock and roll and wacky. But yeah, and that, that part... Thing, you like, know? because we never lived in that era, that part will never, like, make sense to me. Because it was like, he's worried about his sexuality. He's worried about telling Bernie that he's gay if he'll think of him differently. But he has no issue wearing cross-dressing yeah marie antoinette outfit or whatever yeah um but yeah i i, I mean in the 70s everyone wore platform heels and bell bottoms and like sure I, I don't i think that was just like a weird fashion choice of the time so looking back on it you're like oh who would wear those heels if they're not gay but like that's what everybody wore back then yeah i don't know but it was a little bit strange that it's like, oh, I have to be in the closet and I can't tell my <laughs> mom that i'm gay and it's like you wore rainbow it is the peacock. most flamboyant closet ever yeah <laughs> Yes. Um, so I don't think this is a perfect movie. I feel like I've come yeah. across, just because I'm arguing with you about it, that I like, it was like an A-plus movie for me. Like, right. I had some issues with it. Like, I think um, Taron Egerton did a very good job. Yeah, and, I didn't really have any complaints about uh, him. He even looked very much like Elton in some of the later scenes. I was just like, is that Elton or Taron? Like, a couple times. Mm -hmm. Didn't care for some of the ways that they tried to, 
when that one music video where they tried to like remaster the music video to yeah. put Taron Egerton into the original music video didn't really, really work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, the entire setup of him being in rehab and like telling the story didn't work. for me. I was going to say they didn't they didn't really stick to it. I think it it probably would have been annoying if they did, but it was also annoying that they kind of picked their spots very I sporadically. Just, I think that it. They were trying to do it to help frame the more fantastical nature of it because he's telling the story. So Yeah, it's, it's all not, from his perspective. It's right. not a documentary. Right. They're not trying to say this is exactly how it happened. There's a five-year-old singing the bitch's back on a tricycle. Right. Like this is just his like embellished version of it and how it felt like it happened. But that's where but, I felt like Bohemian Rhapsody was a better film to enjoy because even though its arc was untrue because the Live Aid stuff didn't line up with when they claimed it did. The way they started that movie with him getting ready to go on stage, you knew where it was going to end. And when the ending got there, you knew this is it. This movie, I checked my watch a couple times and I was like, I don't know what the culmination is. See, I actually... What? Go ahead. No, I was going to say, it doesn't doesn't peter out, but it also doesn't have like an apex. It doesn't have like a a boom ending like Bohemian Rhapsody did. But I do... I did actually like how it overshot the the beginning. How like he like you, you see him go into rehab and you're like, oh, this is when he checks himself in, right. and then you see how he gets over that and what his next steps are. But I feel like I'm still standing instead of trying to just like remake that music video. I think they could have done. They were so creative with the way that they did a lot of the other. Yeah. Music scenes. I mean, they could that have that brought was, the emotional arc to a real close with that. Yeah, that that was mm. a little bit of a um, letdown of an ending. Sure. But I enjoyed it. Mm. Personally, I like it did better than the Bohemian Rhapsody movie as a movie. Okay. Bohemian Rhapsody is fun to watch because it's basically a concert movie. Yeah. Um, but it does irk me looking back on all like the stuff that they left out or screwed up. And mm-hmm. Rainy Malik really bothered me. He was so good. He won the best his actor teeth, Oscar. His whole mouth, it was distracting for me. Whereas this movie, I thought it was better as a film. I liked that they made it like a musical theater. I thought that was different. And I, it was fun to see how they were going to interpret the songs. And, and see no which song teeth would be issues. Next. And I thought Taron Egerton did a very good job. Both the singing and the acting. And his whole portrayal, um, I thought was... I'm sure they'll get a costume Oscar, probably. I hope so. All right. I think it's time to to move on. Okay. Uh, Would you recommend this movie? So... I recommended it to my mom, since she's the one right. I want to see. For Bohemian with. Rhapsody, if you know, like, the three or four top ones, then I think you will enjoy... You would have enjoyed that movie. And I enjoyed it because of such a like a non-true fan I was. Like I only knew a couple songs and I didn't really care about their backstory and stuff. This one, I feel like you really have to be a semi-passionate John Elton John Elton fan. <laughs> I think that's a little bit of the difference too is that I knew a little bit more about Freddie Mercury and Queen. Uh-huh. Not a ton. I didn't know about his like early family life and stuff, but I knew a little bit more about his like HIV diagnosis and his sexuality issues and stuff. So when that wasn't in the movie, it felt a little bit like, where is that? Whereas with Elton John, I knew a lot of his songs and I knew about Bernie and whatever. Mm -hmm. I didn't know any of the rest of it. So for me, I was like, this is brand new information, but set to like cool songs that I already recognize and to an actor that I like. I get why you liked it. 
You accepted it? I accept it. Okay. We'll see what my mom thinks because I recommended it to her team. We'll have her on next week. Okay. Uh, can you go retrieve the book we're talking about? Sure. Do you want to tell the people what it is? Do you remember the name at least? It's like, guess that's why they call them the blues. Oh, we didn't even mention hockey. We're just going to skip past that. Oh, yeah. We're in the state of hockey. We still made it further than the Minnesota Wild. That's all that matters, really. The worst thing about uh, that was in John movie is that every time you watch hockey, you had to sing, I guess that's why they called it the Blues. That was fun. <laughs> it was not fun for me. Oh. Um, I gave up on the Bruins once the Celtics lost. I only wanted it to be a four. That's like the but most privileged thing you've ever said. Yeah. What are we talking about today? We are talking about a graphic novel. That yeah. I originally read as a webcomic. It's got pictures. It's a picture book. It's called Heartstopper, Volume 1, by Alex o Alice Oseman. Mm -hmm. So I originally started reading this as a webcomic. A very, very cute webcomic. Like you tuned in multiple times? Yeah. Like you subscribed? I or it always came out on Tuesdays? I subscribe. I would just check when I remembered. Okay. I would just, you know how I am with tabs. I would just leave a tab open and once in a while I'd go back to Is it. Is this mine? Things. I've been looking for this. You were the last one to read this book. Is this God, you only got to page it. five in this book? No, no I you don't remember it. Thing. Um, um, I did that with this Check. This day just got better. I did that with Check Please, too. The hockey webcomic. Okay. Check Please? No? Yeah. I just didn't know. I didn't know how you did things like that. Um, I don't actually subscribe. I just leave them open and tab and check them when I remember. Okay. So it is a webcomic based in the UK at a like private school. Yeah. Boys, not school. a boarding school, though. They live at home, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, it centers on Ben and Charlie. Mm -hmm. And Char... I'm sorry, Charlie and Nick. Not Ben. Yeah. Nick and Charlie. Which one's the bad one? I, it took me a little while to get them sorted, too. Um, the first page will tell us. Um, so, Charlie... <laughs> Ben's the bad guy. Ben's bad... Uh, yeah, another reason I didn't really love this book. <laughs> So Charlie is kind of the main character. The protag. The protagonist. He has like recently come out as gay at the school. Mm -hmm. um, and it's still a little bit dealing with that. He's one of the few out kids at school and had a lot of bullying issues like the previous year. Mm -hmm. And he goes to homeroom and gets seated next to Nick, yep. who is this Jock. rugby bro. Yeah. Rugby lad. Very jockish. Um, and they kind of accidentally become friends in homeroom. Bit of a meet cute, would you say? Um, yeah, like a meet cute. Um, but Charlie is um, kind of doing these shady hookups with this guy named Ben, who's actually a dick. Yeah. Um, and Charlie and Nick end up uh, becoming friends and hanging out a lot. Mm -hmm. And Charlie gets kind of a crush on Nick, but thinks Nick is just like a straight, straight, like super straight jock dude. Um, and it's kind of the progression of that progression of their friendship about Charlie trying to sort out his feelings for Nick. Mm -hmm. And then later about Nick trying to sort out his feelings for Charlie because they're like best friends and he treats him differently than his other friends and, um, wants to be around him and hang out with him and cuddle him and whatever. And Charlie signs up for rugby as this little strangly guy. So that shows you how much he cares. Yeah. So, uh, it's a very cute kind of friendship story that turns into something more towards the end. Mm -hmm. um, my biggest issue with this is that uh, because I had read it as a webcomic, the webcomic has gone further than this. Oh, this is volume so one. This is volume one. So I did pre-order volume two because um, I, I actually really liked 
the way that it came out in book form. Mm-hmm. And as you shockingly said to me, um, said in a shocked tone, I'm not usually like a webcomic person. Uh-huh. So I'd much rather have it in a book where I can flip through it. Yeah. So, but in the webcomic, it's gone further than here. So I was a little like... Does it end on a cliffhanger? I felt I a little bit like cock-blocked kind of. Ooh by the end of this book because it goes further and I see why she chose to end it here. Uh-huh. Um, there's some extras in the back that are not really the Yeah. Story. Is that a thing people do in graphic novels? Well, yeah. Like, Fence it's like, does it. Well, it's like a little bit of a um, bonus for buying this versus reading it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Something so, big happened at the end, yeah. didn't it? So it ends on a big cliffhanger and I don't necessarily want to spoil it, but... What happened just before this? You're getting live reaction here. Woo! Oh, yeah. So this finally happens. Well, there's this whole... Okay, spoilers, I guess. So they have this moment where it's like... Oh, there's a dance, right? They're going... They're at a party. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Charlie's kind of like, do you have a crush on anyone right now? Mm -hmm. And then uh, Nick is like, well, why do you assume that it's a girl? Yeah. And... Charlie's like, would you go out with someone who wasn't a girl? Would you kiss someone who wasn't a girl? Mm-hmm. And then they kiss. And then somebody, like, interrupts them. Mm-hmm. And is like, Nick, where'd you go? And Nick, like, runs away. And then just leaves Charlie alone in this, like, room in this mansion. And <sighs> Nick's just like, uh, sorry. And just leaves. And Charlie has had a lot of issues with being bullied from being gay. And this other kid, Ben, that was, like, fucking around with him. So it ends on a really, really cliffhangery note. Yeah. And I was like, no, where's the next bit? Because mm-hmm. I see why she chose to end it there. Um, and I'm excited for volume two because I actually, it will go past what I've already read, I think. Um, but yeah, having read more, I was like, I want to read the rest. And uh-huh. it's like not in here, you know? Yeah. Um, I really liked reading it in paperback. I like the cover is really cute. Mm-hmm. Cover art. I like like the artist style. Um, it is black and white. Now, am I allowed to like graphic novels but not like comics? I don't really know the difference that well, to be honest. Like, I really enjoy this reading process. Like, you know, I love things that are quick to read, that make me mm-hmm. feel like I'm reading them quick. And with these ones, I know I could stop and appreciate, like, the art on every page, but I just like flipping the page and getting to the next bit. I think that's what I like about owning it is that like the first time I read through it, I was just like, I'm just going to read the dialogue and kind of skip through. And yeah. then I, I like being able to go back and just flip through it and like look back at the art and like take my time a little bit more with it. Yeah. And I think like the size of the book, does, like size matters here, I think for okay. me, because like when we were reading individual fence issues, like I didn't feel a ton of accomplishment just yes. by getting through a tw- get twenty-page like pamphlet. Pages and you're like, "That's it." Yeah. Whereas this, it was like I know I read it in two hours, so it's not like as long as a typical novel would be. But I felt like I read a story from start to finish. Yeah, like you still get the full, well, not the full arc, I guess, because it is just volume one. But you still get what feels like character development and plot and all of that, but just half of it is done in the drawings versus... So now I've read course. three graphic novels. You read The Prince and the Dressmaker? Prince and the Dressmaker, mm-hmm. Heartstopper, and The Bible. You've read The Bible as a graphic Still novel? the only part of the Bible I've read okay. was in graphic novel form. Um, so yeah, I just think the art is really cute. I like having it... You don't mind that it's not colored? No, that didn't bother me. 
Remember on fence, like color was by one person. Elizabeth explained that. I forget what the explanation was. Okay. Um, so I'm excited to get volume two. I think they're cute to have. I think it's something that I would definitely flip through again. Um, I just think it's really adorable and I felt a lot of feelings about it. I think the author did a really good job. No, you falling for cute boys who love I each know. other? That's cute, not your MO. Boys. One of them having a bisexual crisis. What's their ship name? I don't know. Hmm. Uh, what did you feel about it though? Because I just like had a lot of feelings about it. I think it's like the cutest thing. Mm -hmm. I'm excited for volume two. Um, but you were just, you didn't really remember anything about it until just now. I think, I think because of like all the books you've um, inspired me to read that nice way to say I'm kind of like expecting a lot when it comes to things like... Um, sexuality and that kind of stuff and this one handles it fine but it didn't it just was kind of like too straightforward for me it wasn't like revolutionary yeah like it was like yep one guy's gay one guy question mark uh the gay guy has to deal with um a lot of negative stuff going on around him and by the end you'll figure out if the other guy was gay or not so but don't you think that as a graphic novel it makes up for being a little bit straightforward by the art. Yeah, it was definitely compelling. Because there's only so much, not that you can't do more complex storylines, but there's only so much you can convey with sure. pictures and minimal text. And I guess one issue complexity. for me was that we were talking about Fence a couple times. Um, and like Fence, I thought, had a good mix of dynamics. Like you were learning about fencing, which I knew nothing about, but there was also this... Um, you know, love relationship, LGBT, all sorts of stuff going on. Like there were a lot of like subplots kind of in that. Yeah, there aren't and a here lot of there's subplots. no subplots. Like there's rugby and there's school, but it's basically just a story of them, which and is fine. But I want to say in volume two, there's some more subplots with the friends and with some other stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that it does get a little bit wider uh, once the two of them kind of Okay. Sort their shit out the a little bit. The world building's going to yeah. expand. Um, so we'll see with volume two. Okay. What's your favorite? Well, Can I open up to you though? Yeah. Like, I, I felt uncomfortable reading this on the bus. Not that I felt uncomfortable, but I felt like other people were going to find it weird that I was opening up this book on the bus. Why? Because Cause on the front, it's, yeah. Because on the front it says "boy meet boy," yeah. Or because it's like anime looking, comic looking. No, it wasn't that. I mean, I'm insecure about a lot of the things I read on the bus, especially some of these Don DeLillo books and some of these sex scenes. Like I, I cower in my seat, so it's not specific to this. But I'm just remembering, feeling guilty about it, and it's pink on the side. I don't know. Is that? Am I just? I think you're a little too worried about society's views of masculinity. Hmm. That sounds like it. Okay. Which one did you like better? This one or the Prince and the Dressmaker? Prince remember? and the Dressmaker. Why? That was more innovative than this was. Okay. Hmm. You thought this was a little too straightforward. Yeah, it's okay. fine. I still think Give it's it really Give it a B cute. something. It is one of my favorite books of this year. This... Podex and Red, White, and Royal Blue are my top three for this year. So it's like your halfway review. 
Mm-hmm. To the year. True, because it's true. Okay, let's wrap this up. Some of us have to go to work tomorrow. Okay. Not, not all of us get the summers off where we can drop our phones. So, do you have any You're low on battery? That's shocking. <laughs> Always. That's shocking. Always. Um, oh, I just have one not upcoming, okay. which is that um, uh, AP Bio got canceled. Mm, it did. And we didn't finish it yet. It's not going to be worthy enough for a, a longer Probably segment. Like, the kids season. were still fun, and uh, Glenn still has his moments. The season just kind of lost its... It's, uh, doesn't really know line? what it is. It's yeah, Like, what's the point of it anymore? Or there's not really an overarching plot that's carrying it through. And they realized that, like, Helen was the best character, so they overused her. Mm-hmm. And, like, Helen is best in small doses. Um, upcoming things. Uh, the first thing that I'm very happy about is that This Lullaby, my favorite Sarah Dessen book, which mm-hmm. we've talked about in this podcast, I believe, got picked up by Netflix. Along with a couple other Sarah Dessen. Every other thing in history Netflix owns. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, along with a couple of other other of her novels. Uh, Keeping the Moon was another one that got picked up, and that's another favorite of mine. So that will be out in like two weeks probably, right? I don't know. It baffles me that Netflix churns things out so quickly. And have you seen any of Apple original shows yet? Have we watched any? Oh, no. No, none exists still. Um, did you see that there's going to be a Punky Brewster sequel? No. I remember watching that. That was something my sister would watch, and I never understood what a punky Brewster was. I, she had, she was had like a foster dad, and was like a. It was like a network sitcom, though, right? Um. Yeah, but she was like a spunky girl Mm -hmm. with a pet who like had a foster dad, and I don't know. Okay. I don't remember that much because I was little. It's something that my older neighbor used to watch, and I would watch it at her house with her. So I was little. But I do have fond memories of it. I was more into 90210. Peach Um, Pit. Catch 22, are we going to watch that? Did you ever read it? You, oh, we've had this conversation (laughs) six times in this podcast. I have read it and you have not. But I own it. Yes, but I have read it. In this house? Yes. should probably read it. And every time you say, you haven't read that. And I I say. I don't think you've read the whole thing, though. I read the whole thing. It was so long. It was so long. That doesn't sound like something you would pick up. I read the whole thing. Okay. Because everyone says it's like Kurt Vonnegut. It, it, that is the comparison people it's, make. Oh, it's too long and not like... Well, you sold me on it. It's fine, but the, the thing about Kurt Vonnegut is most of his books are fairly short. And this book was is very long. It just doesn't sustain like the joke or whatever, like the satire. Right. It's harder to sustain for 400 pages versus... But I kind of have an unofficial rule that I only use sayings of things that I've scene like how i'll never use sophie's choice yeah so i can't say catch 22 until i until i read it all right i guess i'm the only one that can say it in this household Hmm. um the kitchen have you seen this movie no watched a an ad or sorry watched a interview on the ellen show Mm -hmm. it's tiffany haddish uh what's her face from handmaid's tale the scientologist one um lizzie whatever yeah yeah and uh, McCarthy, Melissa McCarthy. Okay, it's an odd mix. Very odd mix. It's some sort of mob movie where like their hus- their husbands are all in jail and they take over, which I Didn't feel that like... that movie just come out that movie last year? Come Widows? Out a couple times. Uh, I definitely don't want to see it, but I just thought it was a very strange mix of like two kind of more comedian types. Mm-hmm. And then Lizzie, what's her face? Yep. Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, you got um, it. 
I kept wanting to say Kate Moss, and that's an actress. I mean, a model. Anyway, very strange. Okay. Um, the last black man in San Francisco. We saw the trailer for that the other day. I want yep. to see it. What is, what is the premise exactly? I couldn't gather it the quite from the movie. The premise seemed to be that from the they went back like and squatted basically in a house that they remembered growing up in. Right. And then somebody else was like, "That's you did not grow up in that house. What are you talking about? Like you're right. making up those memories. And they're like, no, we definitely grew up in this house. So they're like squatting in this really nice like historic house in San Francisco and everything's been gentrified and it's all just like right. white people that live in those neighborhoods now and they want to stay and like make their home there. Yeah, it did look good. I thought it looked good. I thought it had a cool kind of tone to mm -hmm. it. Um, and I think I'm gonna leave it at that. I have one that I one thing that I keep skipping, but every time I come up to it, I just don't have the energy to get all the way into yeah. it. So we're gonna I mean, we'll end another that podcast off. saying nope. <laughs> we're gonna keep putting nope. that off for now. Okay. Alrighty. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, we will hopefully be back sooner rather than later. Yep. Before our summering abroad. Yes. So thanks for listening. Check out the new library extension on bookdigits.com. Check out the Book Digits Instagram. I'm currently running a giveaway for <gasps> red, white, and royal blue. Because we have so many copies in this house. Um, there It was quite the hassle for me to even get my copy. And then after all that, Elizabeth, friend of the show, had an extra copy. So Best friend was... of the show. I think we should upgrade her too. Oh, okay. So she was... You don't agree. <laughs> so she was generous enough to send me that copy to use for a giveaway for the book digits Instagram. So that giveaway is live running for the next week. So go over there and get a copy of the book. It can be like a book club buddy read situation because we're going to be talking about that one sometime if you ever get to it. Sure, babe. Later in the summer we'll probably sure. get to that one. So uh, you can read it along with us or read and be prepared for our podcast. Adios. Have a good week. Bye.